This is Church Alive's teaching of the week. For additional teachings or information about the church, go to churchalive.net. Isn't it great to be in God's house today? Amen. Uh, holidays were good this year for us. We were blessed. Uh, Stacy and Mercy and I were blessed to, uh, to travel to Arkansas to spend Thanksgiving with my brother and his family. And they live in a little town called Calico Rock, Arkansas. And it is what you can imagine by the name Calico Rock. It is in the northwestern corner of Arkansas in the foothills of the Ozark Mountains. It's, it's beautiful up there. And, and we got to spend Thanksgiving there. And uh, it was great. And, and in Calico Rock, they have uh, these bluffs. They're known for the White River that runs through there. And there are all these rock bluffs. And I mean, it's like... You step over and you look down and it's like, straight down. And um, I heard a story. I heard a story of a hiker or a jogger, if you will, who was jogging along that mountainside, the bluffs there maybe. And I don't know why you would jog on the side of a mountain. But anyway, he was running and he got a little too close to the edge. And the ground gave away under him, and, and wouldn't you know it, off he goes, off the side of the mountain there. And as he's falling, as he's going down, he is able just to grab on to a tree branch that was sticking out the side of that bluff there. And he grabs on, and he's holding on as tight as he can. And he does what we would all do. He starts yelling, Is there anybody up there that can help me? Help! And he hears a voice. A voice comes back. Yes, I'm up here. And the, the jogger says, Oh, good, said, who is that up there? Who is that? And the voice comes back and says, This is God. And the jogger says, wait, he says, wait a minute, he says, the God, like this is the, the, this is God? And the voice says, yes, this is God. So then the, the, the jogger starts just spouting out all these things that he's done over his life that he's sorry for. He says, oh God, I'm so sorry for this. I want you to know, uh, if you will just get me down from this mountain, if you will just get me down, I promise I will never sin anymore. I'll start going to church every Sunday, you know, this and this. And, and God stops and says, wait, just wait, wait, wait. He says, before we do all that, he says, let's get you down first. He said, then we can talk about all the other stuff later. So the jogger says, okay, he says, tell me what to do and I'll do anything you say, God. God comes back and he says, okay. He says, let go of the branch. Well, the jogger says, wait, what? You want me to let go of this branch? God says, yes. I want you to have faith and let go of the branch. So the jogger thinks a minute. And with all the strength he could muster and with everything inside of him, 
he yells out, is there anybody else up there? <laughs> so I want you to know, over the past few weeks, we've been in a series entitled, The Choice is Yours. The Choice is Yours. And the first week, Pastor Gene talked about how we should choose purpose over popularity. Last week, we talked about choosing surrender over control. Well, if you haven't guessed it, this week, I want to talk to you guys today about choosing faith over fear. Choosing faith over fear. Now, now we all know what fear is, right? You know, fear is that unpleasant emotion. And I thought about bringing some stuff today, and I said, no, I better not do that. You know, maybe if we were to break out a, a box of spiders... Or, or what even if I had like a bag of snakes that I could pull out and just... Maybe even if we turned out all the lights and it was dark. We all have things that kind of bother us, right? That we're a little bit afraid of, right? Y'all with me? Am I the only one? Yes? Just stuff that we don't like. So we know what fear is. You know... Um, Google says faith, or the dictionary says faith is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. And the Bible defines faith as this. The Bible says faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the confidence of things not yet seen. So I want to ask you this morning, why then is faith so important. Why is it so important for us to have faith? Well, I'm glad you asked because you see, without faith, the Bible declares that it is impossible to please God. And that's Hebrews 11:6. if you want to write that down. And I want you to know today that without faith, we cannot be saved. The Bible declares in Ephesians 2.8 that by grace, through faith, we are saved. And I want you to know that without faith, the Christian life cannot be what God intends it to be. Because in Matthew 9.29, Jesus says, according to your faith, will it be unto you. So faith, you see, is very important for us today. And I want us to look at a passage of Scripture today where we will see both of these things played out in this passage of Scripture, fear and faith. And if you have your Bibles and you want to turn there, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 14, a very familiar passage of Scripture to you today, I hope. And we're going to look at verses 22 to 20 through 23. Now, a little background about this passage. What's about to happen, what we're about to read, happens just after one of the greatest miracles we find in the Bible where Jesus feeds the 5,000. Or actually more than that because the Bible says 5,000 plus women and children. Remember the story where Jesus had been ministering to these people all weekend, and they were hungry. 
And so Jesus took five loaves of bread and two little fish and fed all those people. All right? Y'all remember this, right? Am I telling y'all something y'all don't know? Because maybe we need to go back and read it, but I think you remember it. So Jesus has just performed that miracle. And I know Jesus had to be tired. Have you ever got to the point in your life when you just needed some time? I mean, even from your wife or your husband, honey, I just need a minute. I need some time by myself. I need just to get away for just a little while. And I think that this is where Jesus was maybe because what we're about to see is, is after Jesus fed all the people and ministered to them, it comes time to send them home. And it comes time for them to go to the next place he was going to minister. And it was across this big lake, across the sea. So what Jesus decides to do is send his disciples on ahead. And Jesus is going to go up to the mountain to pray and be alone just to have some time. So that's where we find ourselves today in Matthew chapter 14. Let's begin reading in verse 22 today. This is what it says. It says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone. Verse 24. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Now, I want you to know that Jesus didn't have any need for a weather app on his phone. Because he knows everything, right? So I believe that he had to know that he was sending the disciples into a storm. And I also know that the Bible says Jesus went up to the mountain to pray. Now, if you think about it, the mountain overlooks the lake. And I believe that Jesus did that because he never took his eyes off the disciples. He knew what they were going into. And let's read on in verse 25 and see what happens. It says, shortly before dawn, many versions of the Bible say, in the fourth watch of the night. And that's important because I'm going to tell you something about that in a minute. Just before dawn, during the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake, on the water. Verse 26, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in, what's that word there? Fear. Verse 27, but Jesus immediately said to them, take heart, it is I, don't be afraid. In verse 28, we find Peter says, Lord, if it's you, let me come to you on the water. 
Verse 29, come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Verse 31 says, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and he caught him and he says, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. I want to submit to you today in this house that faith is not a characteristic. Faith is not a personality trait. Faith is not even a, a university degree that you can hang on your wall and stare out. You know, a school of faith that you've been to, faith is not that. Faith is even not just a word that we have in our vocabulary. And although we know faith is a noun, I believe that faith best operates as a verb. Because if faith is anything, it requires and it demands action. You see, faith moves you. And, and faith motivates you. And faith unsettles you. And, and faith requires you to do something, to stand up and to do something. Faith is not just something that you talk about. Faith is something that when you really have it, it pushes you, it urges you to not become complacent in your life, but to get up and to get out of the boat. That's what faith does. And in this passage, we find the story of someone who knows something about faith and fear. Peter who had the faith we just saw to walk on water, but also had the fear of when he got afraid, the Bible says he began to sink. Now that should come as no surprise to you and me, those of you who spend any time reading God's word, because we know that Peter was often a mix of Good and bad, don't we? Remember, Peter was the one who, who said to Jesus, he said, truly you are the son of God, the Christ, the son of the living God. But he was also the same one who Jesus had to say, get thee behind me, Satan. He was a mix of good and bad. You see, Peter is a lot like the person sitting in your seat today. And a lot like the person you see standing before you today. 
because he was a mixture of good and bad. Sometimes he gets it right, but sometimes he gets it wrong. So today in this passage, I want to try to show you something that maybe you've never seen. I want us to look at this passage from maybe a different perspective today. And I want us to look at three things that Jesus said in this passage today. Three things that Jesus said. So if we look back at verse 27, we read this together. We said, but Jesus said, take heart, it is I. Don't be afraid. The first thing in this passage that I see Jesus say is, take heart. Take heart. Now, I looked this little phrase up, and if we were to go back to the Greek, the old language, the word starts with an E, and I could pronounce it for you if I really had to, but I don't think it matters. It's a long word. But I looked up what it meant. And do you know that literally translated what Jesus said was be confident or, if you will, have faith. Have faith. And I believe that Jesus is wanting us to see something when he says take heart or have faith. And this is it. He wants us to see that faith requires a proper perspective. Faith requires a proper perspective. You see, what Jesus understands is that your perspective, how you see things in your life, shapes the prediction on how things are going to turn out. Our problem, though, is sometimes... We have the wrong perspective of our situation and that limits our ability to see what is about to happen. But if we could just change our perspective, I want to tell you today that the greatest enemy of your faith is a negative mindset. The greatest enemy to faith is a negative mindset. You see, faith cannot grow when all you see is the bad. Faith will not grow when all you believe is the worst. You know that it's just going to be what it's always been. Or there ain't no reason to even try. I might as well go ahead and give up now. When you refuse to see the possibility of faith in your life. Now, I understand that maybe you're here and you say, but Nolan, you just don't know. It just seems like things have have gotten dark in my life. Or maybe it feels like you've been rowing. And not getting anywhere. Maybe you feel like you've got a force that's maybe just holding you back. Or a wind that's blowing against you. Maybe you're just not where you expected to be at this point in your life. 
But I want to tell you that the Lord is saying today that you've got to change your perspective. Because if you would just walk by faith, stop dwelling on what it's not, and start dreaming about what can be. You've got to open your mind to unprecedented possibilities. You've got to change your negative, stinking thinking and start believing that with God, all things are possible today. And the Bible has a word for us today. When we get those things in our mind and we get in those situations, in Philippians 4, 8, it says, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, it's telling us today, don't think on the negative things. Think on the good report of God and the justice of God and the truth of God and the power of God. It says, think on these things. You've got to change your perspective. So Jesus comes to the disciples and he says... Take heart. Have faith. And I want you to see that the Bible says he comes in the fourth watch of the night. In the fourth watch of the night. And I looked this up so you don't have to. But back in Roman times, they divided the night into four watches. You see, the first watch began at 6 p.m. From 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. was the first watch. The second watch was from 9 p.m. to 12 a.m. The third watch was from 12 a.m. to 3 a.m. And then the fourth watch was from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. Some of you are about to get this. Notice that Jesus, the Bible says, comes during the fourth watch of the night. From 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. is when Jesus came. Notice that he didn't come during the darkest time. The darkest time was the third watch. From 12 a.m. To 3 a.m. That's the darkest time of night. The Bible says he came. This is going to be good. He came during the fourth watch. You see, 3 to 6 is just before the break. Some of you are about to see this. The fourth watch of the night. It's just before the break of dawn. Just before the break of dawn. So I believe what he's telling us here today is if you can just hold on a little while longer. 
if you can just row for just a little while longer. If you can just pray for just a little while longer in your life. If you can just keep going just a little while longer, you've got to know that the sun is about to rise. The sun is about to show up and things are about to get better in your life. And that's what faith believes. You see, faith refuses to give in to a defeated mindset. Faith refuses to believe that there is no hope. Faith refuses to believe that there is no way to get out of this. Faith, you see, believes that no matter how dark it's been, no matter how long you've been rowing, that you're about to start moving in your life. No matter how many people may stand against you, that if God is for me, who can stand against me, the Bible declares. And maybe that's what allowed Peter to walk on water. Because you see, unlike the other disciples, Peter had a different perspective. Back to verse 27. Let's look at the second thing Jesus said. In verse 27 it says, But Jesus said, Take heart, it is I, don't be afraid. The second thing we find in this passage that Jesus says is, It is I. And I believe what he's trying to show us here when he says this is that faith discredits doubts. Faith discredits doubts. Now, as I was reading this passage of Scripture, I noticed something. And if you look at it in your Bible, your Bible may have this too, but in my Bible here, when I read verse 27, it says, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. When it, after the phrase, it is I, there's a number. There's a footnote, if you will. You know the little numbers that you find in your Bible out beside things? Those are called footnotes. And usually if you look down at the bottom of the page, it references another scripture in your Bible. So, me being the curious person that I am, I had to go see what it was pointing me to. And it sent me over to Exodus chapter 3. Now, for those of you who've read the Bible and you've made it past Genesis and you're in Exodus, what you will know that is in Exodus chapter 3, you will find the story of the burning bush. You see, when God comes to visit Moses in the burning bush and he tells Moses, he says, Moses, I'm about to do a great thing through the people of Israel and you're going to lead them. And after he tells Moses that, Moses asked him the question. He said, well, God, who should I tell them sent me? And what did he say? He says, you tell them I am sent you. Do you know? That in this passage of scripture, if we were to go back where Jesus says, it is I, 
And we go back to the old language, the Greek and the Hebrew, and we read it. Do you know that it's the same phrase there? I am. So what Jesus is saying here is this. He comes to the disciples and he says, have faith because I am is here. I am is here. I want you to know it may be dark out and the wind may be blowing against you, but the I am is with you. God is with you. But I saw something in this text. Do you know the tragedy of this passage of scripture? The tragedy of the text I want to show you today is that they don't know it's Jesus. Why don't the disciples know it's Jesus? Do you know it's a sad thing to be in the presence of Jesus? And not recognize it. To be in a place where Christ is there and he's moving and you don't recognize it. You don't see it. And I know you think I'm talking about the text today. But that happens every Sunday in church. See, sometimes we get too caught up and too focused on our situation or the distractions that the enemy presents in front of us. And we can't see that the presence of God is all around us. So why don't the disciples see that it's Jesus? Well, you see, the last time the disciples saw Jesus, remember, he was going up to the top of the mountain. And I think they find it hard to believe that Jesus could now be with them in the middle of their storm. (laughs) But you know, anybody can have faith when they know God's with them on the mountain, right? But God says, you've got to have a faith that does not doubt my reality in your life when you find yourself in the midst of a storm. Because you see, real faith hangs its hat on what Romans 8.38 says. It says, for I am confident that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present or things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God will never leave you or forsake you. And if we look at verse 28, I want you to see what what Peter said. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. I want to show you something here. 
I want us to see Peter's doubt in this text. You know, for all my life, I've read this passage of Scripture. And I thought Peter's doubt was being able to walk on water. That he doubted he could walk on water. That that was his fear. But can I show you something? Peter says in that verse, he says, Lord, if it's really you, if it's really you, can I come to you? If it's really you. I got to thinking about it. And everybody in this boat, the Bible says, was afraid. They thought it was a ghost. So if you think about it, Jesus had to be quite a ways away because they could not recognize that he wasn't close enough, right? I can tell who you are. I know that's Mr. Funches right there. Could you? But if I were to get way back over there, I may struggle a little bit. Who is that? So if Jesus was a good ways off and the Bible says Peter got out of the boat, I've always imagined in my mind Peter walked a little ways and then he started to... Do you know I believe Peter walked a good ways on the water. But his doubt wasn't the water. His doubt was the whole time he's walking, Lord, is it you? Is it really you? Is it really you? Is it really you? And the question from Jesus must have been, you're wondering, is it me? And maybe the question from Jesus to you today is, you're wondering, is it me? Because he says, look how far you've come. In your life, look how far you've come. Who else could it be? You're wondering, is it me? Look what all you've been able to accomplish in your life. Who else could it be? I challenge you to think about everything that's happened over the course of your life. How could you ever doubt that it, God is not with you? Who else could it be? You're, you're still in your right mind. Who else could it be? You, you still got a job. Who else could it be? Well, maybe you hear and say, well, Nolan, I got laid off. That's even better. You still got food on your table. Who else could it be? Your bills are still paid. Who else could it be? I wish you could see it today. When you look back and see how far you've come, there's no doubt in your mind. No question in your soul. You know it must be. It had to be. It can't be nobody else but Jesus. So I want to challenge you. Now. You know what we need to do? We need to change the way we talk. We need to start faith talk. That may be a new phrase. I don't know. Faith talk, but I like it. We need to start faith talk. What do you mean, Nolan? Here's what I mean. 
We don't need to say, if God will. We don't need to say, if God will move. We don't need to say, if God will just hear this prayer. We don't need to say, if God knows, we need to faith talk. You know what faith talk says? Faith says this. It says, since God heard. And since God knows. And since my God is able. And since I know my God's going to make a way where there is no way. And since my God will sustain me. And since my God will provide for me. I choose to walk in faith today. Faith talk. So not only must you have a faith that has a proper perspective and a faith that discredits your doubts, but we're going to look at the third thing Jesus said today. And we're about to close here. I know we're getting long. Back in verse 27, Jesus says, Take heart, it is I. Don't be afraid. The third thing I see Jesus saying in this text is don't be afraid. And I believe what he's trying to show us in this last thing he says is that faith overcomes fear. Faith overcomes fear. Do you know that faith and fear are mutually exclusive to one another? Faith and fear cannot operate in the same space at the same time. And some of you may say, well, no, I don't know about that. Well, well, let me prove it to you then, all right? Faith says go. Fear says no, you don't. Faith empowers. Fear paralyzes. Faith liberates. Fear incarcerates. Fear will lock you up in situations that God has called you to come out of. Fear will cause you to accept things the way they are when God has something better for you. Fear will hold you hostage from the goodness and the greatness and the glory of God because you're too scared of what might happen. So can I suggest today... that there was really nothing miraculous about Peter. What you mean? You see, what made Peter different from the other disciples in the boat, it says they were all scared. But Peter chose faith over fear. Peter made up in his mind to choose faith 
over fear. And I want to tell you, though, that, that even when you falter on this journey, even when you mess up like all of us do, even when you slip and you stumble, as you will, even when you're trying to be better tomorrow than you were today, let me show you the grace of God in walking by faith. Can I show you today? Because I promise you this is good if you can see this today. Let's look at what the Bible says. When Peter had lost a proper perspective, when, when Peter began to doubt, the Bible says right here in verse 30, it's right in front of our eyes. If you can just see it. He says in verse 30, but when he saw the wind, when Peter saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Do you see what it says in that, that scripture? It says, when he began to sink. Read this passage my whole life, and I've always envisioned in my mind Peter walking, and then he goes under. And Jesus has to reach down under the water and pull him out. But do you know what it says? Oh, I want you to see this. It says, when he began to sink, which implies to me that there is a, a time lapse between beginning to sink and actually sinking, doesn't it? You see, because Peter has put his faith and his trust in Jesus, he's walking by faith. He just the Bible says, begins to sink. You know what that tells me? What should have happened didn't happen. Think about it. He didn't go down like he could have. He didn't drown like he could have. I'm talking to somebody in here today that knows in your life what should have happened didn't happen. Think about it. I'm talking to somebody that has been at the point of death and the enemy had already zeroed it out for him. But what could have happened it didn't happen, did it? I'm talking to somebody today who has sat in the chair of a doctor's office and has got a diagnosis over your life that there was no way you could make it. But by the grace of God, you're sitting here today in this room because what could have happened didn't happen. I'm talking to somebody that has stood in a courtroom before 
before a judge and a jury. And only by the grace of God, your circumstances turned out different than they could have, amen? What should have happened didn't happen. That's pretty good. Because God turned it around. The Bible says that while he was beginning to sink, that Peter had enough faith to know, I still got time to call on Jesus. I still got breath in my lungs to call his name. And we believe that when you call on him, the same God that enables us to walk on water, the same God that enables us to walk through life, that has carried us throughout our life, the Bible says he will reach down and he will pick you up. I'm done. But I came to tell you that while there's still breath in your lungs, you still got time. And I came to tell you that if you call on Him, and if you put your faith in Him, and that if you trust Him today, He will save. Will you stand with me today? You know, we had that little phrase called faith talk. So I was thinking today we could declare some things together if that's okay. In faith talk. Because we know the Bible says that the power of death and life is in the tongue. So instead of moping over your situation today, instead of being distracted by the enemy today, instead of having a negative mindset today, today we're to declare faith over fear today. Can we do that? Because I believe if he said it, I believe it. If he said it, it's done today, amen. So I want to know, can we all declare this together today? If you said it, I believe it. And if you said it, it is done, amen. Thank you again for listening to Church of Life's Teaching of the Week. We invite you to join us for the Sunday morning worship service every Sunday at 10 a.m. or learn more at churchalive.net.